Welcome FEI Engage subscribers. My name is Olivia Berkman, and this episode is a conversation with Munira Carr, Executive Vice President, Chief Accounting Officer, and Controller at Wells Fargo & Company. Munira discusses how she has advanced her career while raising young children, her time with the SEC, and what she loves most about the world of banking. Please enjoy the conversation. Hi, everybody. I'm Olivia Berkman. I'm Director of Content at FEI. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Munira Carr. Munira serves as Executive Vice President, Chief Accounting Officer, and Controller for Wells Fargo and Company. Munira uh, joined Wells Fargo as Controller in 2020 and has more than 20 years of public accounting and financial services industry experience. Prior to Wells Fargo, she served as Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer with Comerica. Before joining Comerica, Munira served as a professional accounting fellow in the office of the chief accountant at the SEC. She also led the accounting policy function at major banks such as SunTrust and Bank of America and served as an auditor with PwC. Before we speak with Munira, I'd also like to share that we have officially launched FEI Engage, which is a new content subscription program for undergraduate, graduate, and early career finance and accounting students and professionals. Subscribers can connect with FEI members and industry leaders through our mentor match program, connect with each other within the Engage community through a private online networking platform, and have access to these How I Got Here live Q&As. And I should note that after today's session, uh, these discussions will only be available to subscribers. If you'd like to learn more, you can email me at feiengage at financialexecutives.org. Our next speaker in the series will be the chairman of the National Association of Black Accountants and principal at Crow, Herschel Frierson. That'll be on January 5th. You can register for that session um, on the FEI Engage page. And now I would like to introduce Munira. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Olivia. I'm excited to be here, uh, participate in this series and share my story. You know, people love a good story. And my hope is that people find this one interesting and it fills them with hope uh, on possibilities for themselves. Yes, I love that. And you do have quite an amazing story. Uh, tell us a little bit about before we get to, uh, you know, how you grew up. If you could share a little bit of your career experience, so maybe post-college. Okay, maybe I'll go a little bit before that because you, in your introduction, mentioned a lot of things. Um, and I think what people may benefit from hearing is that um, I came to this country in 1990. Um, I was 20 years old. Uh, I've grown up in a poor to middle class family. I came here with $500 in my pocket. Um, and so really the start of my working life in America was at um, Arby's roast beef, selling roast beef sandwiches, uh, working in dry cleaners, taking in dirty clothes. So it's been an interesting ride. These are uh, you know, things that we don't uh, put down in our resume, but they are uh, the early beginnings that shape our character and uh, make us who we are. So it's important uh, to mention some of this. Uh, you can see that in my career, I've done a little bit of everything. I've, I've been I've been an auditor. Uh, I have 
you know, as you mentioned with PwC, I've been a regulator in my time with the SEC. Uh, I've dabbled in uh, standard setting where, you know, you advise the FASB um, in different capacities. And I've been a preparer in, you know, with different companies trying to prepare financial statements. I've done a little bit of it all, a lot of interesting uh, adventures in my life. Uh, But really, people want to know the person behind all of that. And uh, as you can see, humble beginnings, uh, first first generation um, to go to college, uh, first generation to come to America. Now, first of all, I love that you mentioned the jobs that you had that you wouldn't include on a resume because those roles do shape, especially the ones that we have early on, they really shape not only who we're going to be in the workforce, but who we are as people. Uh, So I love that you, you know, that you're, you're happy to mention those. Now, growing up in Mumbai, you mentioned also that you were the first generation to go to college. Was college something that was talked about in your family? Was it realistic for you when you were growing up? Like, what, how did you think about college at that time? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, given the backdrop that I mentioned coming from a poor family, interestingly, you know, even though we didn't have a fridge or a car or TV, um, really running water uh, was on again and off again a couple hours a day. The one thing uh, my dad focused on was to give us a better life than he had himself. And so uh, going, you know, getting a good education was important to him. Uh, Once a year when we would get our grades, we would uh, all go to the movies. Uh, I remember, you know, walking into the movie theater and seeing Superman fly across the screen, which, you know, having exposure to American movies, uh, listening to English language, speaking English at home, uh, always, you know, I I think my father may not have been educated himself, but I think uh, he did us, uh, he did a great job of raising us. um, And all of that was helpful. Now, uh, as far as being an accountant is concerned, I can tell you that I failed a seventh grade math. And my father, who was focused on education, was very upset and got me the meanest, meanest tutor he possibly could. And uh, fear was a great motivator for me. Uh, I didn't want to suffer the wrath of this tutor. And I practiced, uh, you know, all all my problems and became really good with math. And so I didn't have anyone to advise me on, you know, uh, here are some colleges you can go to, here are some majors, here are some potential future career opportunities. So all of it kind of just came together as life happens. And for me, it was a process of uh, elimination. You know, I I knew I was not very good with words. Uh, I knew I did not, uh, you know, want to dissect pigs in a lab. And so um, I knew I was good with numbers. And that's how I ended up uh, in accounting as a major. And so the combination of the two, my dad's focus and um, really helped early on, uh, this failure turned into a pretty good success for me. That's so interesting that that you started out as having trouble with math, because that's so, you know, commonly when we speak with people who are in accounting and finance, it's the opposite. It's that they they always had an affinity for for numbers. And so that's very interesting that you were able to turn that around. How do you think you feel about (laughs) math now? Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, (laughs) It's reached a stage that my children are in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, While one is in college, one is in high school, and they study for SAT tests. And I tell them that I don't think I've met a math problem I can't solve. 
Uh, my son has reached a stage where he will not share his math problems with me because when I can't solve them, I'll sit with them until I can. And so he'll tell his siblings too, don't show it to her because she's going to sit there and consume, you know, your time and hers and trying to trying to figure it out. So um, to me, uh, you know, numbers tell the story, uh, particularly when it comes to companies and their results. And, um, you know, we're not saving lives. I kind of, we're not doctors and we're not teachers. And so there is that uh, aspect that sometimes I wish I was making some more fundamental differences, but we do, uh, at least working for a bank, uh, you know, we are impacting people's lives in the sense that, you know, how their money is invested and how well they are, they can handle their retirement, et cetera. There is an aspect of people's lives. Money is important to the way we all live. Uh, it's not the most important thing. And so being able to uh, make sure that, you know, we uh, as accountants get financial statements right, make sure that investors have the information they need, is a role that that is played in society as a whole. So we're getting some insight to your your personality, imagining you working at a math problem and really like needing to figure it out. And I'm thinking too about the uh, tutor that you described, uh, who was, uh, you know, kind of a, a perfectionist. Do you think that has that influenced your leadership style? Like, how would you describe yourself as a leader and, and a worker? I, I think very similar to my own life, which has uh, had some interesting twists and turns. I think leadership has evolved based on you know my life experiences. I think for me early on, uh, the formula for success early on was oh work hard, put in a lot of long hours, um, and and your you know your hard work will be rewarded. Just persevere through life and its problems. And so I think that when when you become a new leader and that's what has been your formula, you try to kind of use that uh, on a go forward basis and really early on speak about mistakes. Uh, it was a little bit more of an authoritarian style or get it done and getting it done is the most important thing because that's that's what helped me and surely that must be the right thing. Um, and I wasn't a mother yet. Uh, and so really understanding people, uh, understanding their own circumstances that they might be coming from, all of that uh, was something that evolved over time. The larger my teams became, the older my children grew, uh, you come to realize a few things, right? Everyone wants to do good. Uh, no one is looking to, uh, you know, um, not be successful. Sometimes people run into problems. And so the leadership style has continued to sort of evolve. And I'll tell you, I, I tell my son this, that at the end of a, of a day where I've been solving all these business problems, I don't sit at night thinking about how I'm going to solve a business problem uh, because business problems will take care of themselves. <clears throat> whether it's me, uh, whether it's someone else in my seat, uh, it, usually my thoughts go to um, some meetings I may have had, interactions that I may have had. And I'll be honest with you while I'm saying all this, doesn't mean I'm the most patient person because I'm not. And just given how our work days are structured when there's a lot going on and this tendency to want to get things done, uh, you know, patience is in short supply. And so while I try to remember this, I don't always remember it. And so 
uh, usually the the thoughts that are going through my mind at the end of a long day are people, the interactions I've had with people, uh, you know, where where did I get things right or wrong? Uh, where are people doing right or wrong by me and how they made me feel? That's sort of where the thoughts go. And by the way, that's not just for business, okay? I can tell you that that applies personally, very specifically with my parents, I can tell you, because with them, dealing with them, uh, and sometimes some of their issues does require uh, lots and lots of patience, and I can say I'm not always, and and so um, I'd advise everyone else to, um, and myself really take my own advice and just uh, try to try to uh, keep in mind that, um, that you know the human impact is important. We have a question from the audience: What skills did you develop early in your career that helped you succeed later on at leadership levels? Okay, so I'm going to try to give answers to questions with stories maybe um, and understanding the backdrop is important and I I know I mentioned I came with $500 and I know I mentioned dry cleaners and 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 selling roast beef sandwiches I was working 90 plus hours a week I work from 7 in the morning to 7 in the evening at the dry cleaners I'd work at Arby's from 8 to 11 um, and I was making minimum wage uh, $3 you know and 25 cents an hour and for me um, at some point I got an office job and the office job came with a reimbursement program, which then allowed me to go to college. What's important here is all day long I'm working and in the evening I'm going to school, which means that there's still a lot of hours that I'm spending just trying to, again, better life circumstances. Um, and then I went, went into public accounting. And when I entered public accounting, where the expectation is you're going to put in a lot of hours, well, I already had a lot of experience putting in a lot of hours. And so if I had to work late, um, I usually had a pretty good attitude. Uh, I think each of the jobs, however uh, small they may have been, they all taught me things. And so, um, you know, A, there was anything they gave me to do. It could be make photocopies, go get lunch, or it could be here, go uh, audit something complex. Uh, I was willing to do anything and everything. So in the early days, I would say, um, you know, having, uh, working hard was, uh, and having the right attitude um, was important. I, I think I had a pretty a decent amount of confidence uh, because I had been in the workforce. So I wasn't afraid to ask questions. You know, what am I doing? How does this fit in the grand scheme of things? Uh, and I think that all of uh, really understanding uh, where you are in the grand scheme of things is really important. Several times people are afraid to ask questions and, and uh, will do what they're doing repeatedly, uh, but then you're not learning. You may do a good job, but uh, you have to think about maybe uh, how can you do it different, right? Uh, and that helps you add a different element to it and helps you grow and uh, helps you make an impression as well. Yeah, I'm hearing humility, curiosity, and then obviously hard work early on. It, and do you all think fair, all yeah. fair. The, what I'll tell you is it wasn't, um, I watched a movie couple of weekends ago, King Richard, which is about mm. uh, Venus and Serena William. And, uh, you know, in the movie, which, by the way, is another uh, inspirational story in the movie, he talks about the, the father talks about how he had this 80 page plan um, that he put together, which I find incredible. He had a plan. He executed against the plan. And we obviously know what a great success it was. Uh, what you're also hearing, the flip side of what you're hearing is there wasn't a plan. Uh, it wasn't luck. Uh, I think that's the other side of what you're hearing.
hearing, um, you know, it was trying to do the best you can in whatever circumstances life is dealing. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when you put in the efforts, I tell my children this too, the, the results will show up. Um, it'll become part of the process. Let's talk about the transition from public accounting to banking. Tell us how that happened and and kind of like what guided that decision. So again, not something I picked. Uh, wasn't looking to work in a bank. Um, back home in India, M- Mumbai, I while I was in college, I was working at a credit union. So I had done. And by the way, I was working at a credit union that had no computers. So it's old style where people walk into the bank, they have their little passbook and you have these big ledgers and you pull them out and you record uh, the deposits that they're making. And there's a big general ledger and you are reconciling to the general ledger every day, just a different day and time. Uh, but. I had some banking experience. Uh, interestingly, when I came to the U.S. and I mentioned I went to work for the company that had a tuition reimbursement program, they were in merchant services processing credit card transactions. So uh, that just happened to be the job that I managed to get, my first real office job, which was also connected to payments and banking. Uh, when I went to work for PwC, um, knowing that I had done some of this in the past, they put me on their banking clients. So I started auditing banks. And so it's just something, uh, you know, my, my son who is in college is, is seeking to be in financial services. I wasn't. Uh, it's just how things have worked out. And given all the experiences, you it, it's a niche that you that you develop, um, you know, you get to learn the business as you go along and see it from uh, different vantage points. How did he land on financial services? I mean, is he inspired by your career? How how do you think that happened? I I do think, um, so we talked about my leadership style. At home, uh, you know, we have, we, the dinner conversations can be very interesting. We talk about anything and everything. Could be current events transpiring in the world. Could be uh, how my day is going. Um, I talked. He knows more about Cecil. How many twenty-year-olds can talk about Cecil, which you know was a, a major um, a standard for banks to adopt. Um, and and so my goal with all of this, and so here is my message really through this. My goal with all of this is for my children to understand a little bit about the work environment, for my daughters to know that you know they need to be confident and find their own place in the working world, and for my son to know that you know his mother, this is what she does, uh, and and really teach him that when he works with women in the workplace, that he respects uh, how many you know, what they are juggling by way of uh, what they bring to the table at work, what they may be managing at home. And hopefully that increases his respect. The next generation uh, is the one that will, um, that we will all look forward to leading us. And so making sure that they're instilling in them the right values is really important. And that comes with maybe sharing a little bit about what's happening in your world with them so that they're prepared for it when the time comes. Oh, I love that. I love that you're passing that along to both your son and daughter. I think it's equally important. Um, I think about it a lot with with my own son, uh, how he's going to be at school and how he's going to be in a workplace. Uh, And I do hope that things look very different by the time he gets there. I agree. Um, 
Yeah. Tell me about your experience, um, as a woman and, you know, also being an Indian woman, kind of climbing the ladder, what were some of the challenges along the way and how did you navigate that? Did you have a mentor to, to connect with? Like, how did you, how did you navigate it? I think in the early days, uh, it's fair to say I was pretty oblivious and, and maybe rightfully so to some degree because uh, I was at an, uh, at the AICPA's SEC conference last week and they were showing some slides on stats and they were showing how things start out uh, for most all of us. And I think whether it is women in the workforce or whether it's people of color, the, the representation starts out okay. But as time, really what the side was showing was as time goes on, that picture changes. And maybe that was, and this is me now looking back. So this is uh, a little bit of hindsight is twenty twenty. But I was pretty oblivious uh, trying to do my own thing. And I think also maybe what was in that picture was true. I do think that I, as I started uh, you know, climbing the ladder and then I would be in these senior leadership meetings and then you look across the room and and you can as your eyes go across the room you find okay this is different uh, the numbers look a little bit you know like you're um more in the minority on zoom calls where you can see uh, all the faces on the screen it kind of becomes a little bit more uh, evident that that may be true um i think for me what's most important is you should not in those kinds of forums don't be a potted plant you know Speak your mind, uh, have conviction in what you're about to say, um, you know, make sure that you reach out and, and network uh, with other uh, women who work with you. I think what happens with us many times is we have so many competing priorities. We've got work, we've got home, and we're trying to balance it all. And in the process, um, you know, something, we just try to get everything done and there is no time for um, slowing down and getting to know someone and, and maybe learn from them, you know, or, or even just understand what might be going on in their space. So um, I think networking is something that, that would probably be helpful to all of us. Um, I find I, I may pick up a thing or two about how to manage things better uh, from women. I think we do a fantastic job of uh, multitasking. Um, um, I, I do think that we should uh, be a little bit more focused on taking care of ourselves too. And that could be, uh, you know, mental health is part of it, compartmentalizing is part of it, uh, m making friends and knowing others is all part and parcel of it. Um, but yes, I, I do think that um, over the years, this has become a bigger part of the conversation than what it was in my days when I first started working. Another um, question comment from the audience. It's great to hear about the values you've taught your children and how you've shared your work experiences with them. How did you approach juggling, advancing your career and raising young children? And I have this yeah. question as well. Uh, tell us like what stage of your career did you actually become a parent? And was that how much of a decision was that? Yeah. So this is, um, there, there, there's a story behind this as well. Um, it, with public accounting, it's really hard, uh, to take care of the hours are long. And, uh, I was with PwC and I was in their national office when I discovered I was, uh, you know, pregnant with my third child. And I was about to enter the partnership process, something I really wanted in my career. I wanted to be a partner. And at that point, I had to make a decision. Uh, am I going to chase my career or am I going to take care of my family? 
And that was an instance where family was more important. And so career had to wait and family had to win. And by the way, throughout my career, this has been sort of a theme where one or the other has taken priority. Um, when this happened, we were actually in New Jersey. We had left Texas to be in New Jersey. And the reason we were there was because PwC's national office was there. So my family did, you know, that was the fact that we were willing to pack our bags from Texas to New Jersey, just taking a step back shows that career was winning out over family because we were willing to relocate and go to a different state. So one instance, it was career. The other instance, it was family. Um, you mentioned the SEC. Uh, that was a really big opportunity. The SEC is very selective uh, on who can join and be a part of this fellowship program. It's a tremendous learning opportunity. Uh, interestingly for me, it happened uh, right during the height of the financial crisis. So definitely uh, gave me a glimpse into a lot of what was happening at not just one bank, but a lot of different banks. Uh, but again, the family had to pack bags and move to D.C., so career won again. Uh, but you mentioned Comerica. Comerica is in Texas. My family is in Texas. Uh, Comerica is the largest bank headquartered here. And as a family, we decided that's it. Time to go back home. Time to be with uh, you know extended family. And so here we are. Uh, you know, we came back to Texas. So it's it's at any given point in time, uh, it wasn't just one or the other. Um, during my during my return back to Texas, about a year into it, my husband passed away uh, unexpectedly. So. When I look back, like these are things you don't really know how life is going to shake out for you. But the fact that I was in Texas with three children under the age of 10, with a really big job as the controller of a top 25 bank in the country, uh, was, you know, um, it was good that I had the family and the support here to be able to help me through that time. Um, so what you're hearing in all of that is try to balance both as best you can, make whatever decisions are right for you. And uh, the third thing you're hearing is family and friends are, are really important, uh, especially for women who want to have a career for themselves. Uh, so make sure at all times that, that you're surrounding yourself with the right people. That time must have been so incredibly overwhelming for you uh, around the time that your husband passed away. If you don't mind, uh, I'm just thinking about the last um, how I got here session that we did. Uh, we talked about, uh, Liesl Nebel and I talked about the help that she had gotten. She, she used a nanny. And, uh, I think that's important for, uh, men and women to be honest about. So if you don't mind, would you share, like, how did you manage that? How did you get your, your kids to school and, and, uh, how did you kind of maintain, how did you maintain? How did you balance yeah. with with your job and stay on track? And how did you do all of that? So um, my husband was stay-at-home dad. The kids were uh, accustomed uh, to being picked up. He, like His car would be the first car in the carpool. And so they would get picked up every day on time. But typically with... Um, a non-traditional arrangement, right? This is about uh, gender roles and what makes the most sense. And for us as a family, we had to decide, okay, uh, you know, uh, I may be the best suited to uh, be out there from a career standpoint to provide for the family. Uh, he was a really good dad. Uh, he changed more diapers than I did. And so we felt like he could manage the home front, but 
not as well as could be managed. So we did have some help. We had someone who was part-time who would come help take care of the house. And so when we had a change in circumstances, we had to shift um, that help to full-time. But I would get up in the morning. uh, All my house was, I'll say, somewhat like a military household, really well run. Uh, The kids, uh, my kids have done a terrific job. They would all wake up like a dream. Um, They would all take care of themselves, like get dressed, shower, get dressed, come down, get their own breakfast. Um, I would get their lunch ready and we would file out of of the house. I would drop them in the morning um, at school uh, and in the evening, uh, my housekeeper would pick them up and make sure that she gives them snacks. Um, we had someone who would come help them with homework. But just like my dad, education is important. So I'd come home, that the house would be clean, there'd be food on the stove. Uh, I would sit down and look at what homework they had for the day. You know, So it's not just outsourcing of any of it. Parental responsibilities are primary. But we've had our share of all kinds of interesting things, right? Where I haven't paid my electricity bill and the power has gone out and the kids are like, mom, we have no power. Um, Or I have to, you know, on the flip side, tell the kids it's earnings, don't have time for this, that, and the other, can't come to this function. So it's it's work has trumped, sometimes kids have trumped. um, And I'll tell you that today, the, 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 the real measure is where are they today? Uh, all three of them uh, are really good from an academic standpoint, solid. Um, you know, they are highly confident uh, individuals. They are independent. Uh, they have a really great relationship with me. They, they tell me that I have done them a great service in the sense that I don't watch over every single thing that they do, but I try to make sure that they have uh, a good approach in making good decisions when no one is looking because I can't be there with them when they go off to college, right, with my 18-year-old. So uh, they've, they've come out okay. They're very resilient. That is true. And they have helped me, you know. And I'll tell you that from a leadership standpoint, they have helped me because uh, I would often, you know, this is what you have to do. You have to do your homework. And then you see them struggling and you have to wonder, well, why? Why is this not getting done? And there's usually a reason. And for me, that was like a, a little bit of an eye-opening experience. It's not that they don't want to do it. Something else is coming in the way. And so you learn from them. Um, and, and for me, um, yes, they have been um, a great part of, of the overall experience. That's so beautiful. <clears throat> how do you know, how have you known, I guess, when it's the right time to make a big career move or a big life move? So you talked about you've lived in New Jersey, you've lived in Texas, and you've lived in D.C., and uh, you've had big opportunities uh, in front of you. And how, I mean, I know that family has obviously played a uh, plays an important role when you're making that decision. But how do you really make that, that call? Is it a gut feeling? Do you, you know, connect with, uh, peers or mentors? What's the deciding factor, I guess, for you? Yeah. Um, I think the opportunity has to be one. I think you do know it when you see it, um, you know, where it's almost, uh, I'll say almost a no brainer of a decision. If you have to struggle too much with it, then maybe, maybe uh, it's not that great an opportunity. If you're sitting there having to make lists. um, So, um, and to me, what's going on in your life at that time, just even, even if it's the best opportunity that you could ever go for, if, if it's going to take a toll on your family, it's not, 
it's not worth it. Um, so it's it's a it's a balancing act, and I think you've seen that at least in mine when I talked about it that there are times when one has won out and times when the other has, uh, you know, other. It's one. It, it's it's been. Um, it hasn't been consistently one or the other. Maybe that's a better way for for me to say say it. Um, I think the SEC one I described extremely selective, um, and and even that one, I, I did have to spend some time thinking: Do I really want to do this? Um, we had we. Um, the kids were young. We had, um, you know, moving to D.C., the cost of living there, et cetera, lot, lots of considerations. Um, but for the really special ones, you try to do what you can. And, and for me, going to the national office was was an extremely, when I look back, right, uh, I was around a lot of smart people. I learned a lot from them. I, I really learned how, how does one think about some of these problems, not solutions to specific, but more a way of thinking, uh, which then served me well when I went to the SEC as an example, right? So um, I don't know what else to say on this one. No, I think that makes sense. And I I would love for you to tell us more about your time with the SEC, uh, because that is such an incredible opportunity that you had. How, How were you selected for that? And what was the kind of time frame and what was the experience like? You mentioned it was around the 2008, I guess. Yeah, it, it was uh, 2007 to 2009. And the process, you, you know, you would have to write a paper, first and foremost, uh, on an emerging accounting issue um, or one that people are struggling with. And and inherently, when you think about that exercise, it's a difficult one, because if you had a, have an answer, they, then the answer would be in play, right? So you're just putting your best foot forward saying, hey, here's a potential answer. Uh, you have to be willing to support why you think that that solution makes the most sense. Uh, you, you present your, your paper to um, a, a pretty um, large audience uh, at the SEC. You answer a lot of technical questions. Um, you meet with a lot of people. So it's a, um, when I say it's a selective process, it really is. Uh, once you are selected, though, the flip side is that you know, you work with people who are genuinely um, uh, looking to protect investors' interests. Um, you get to see a lot. You get to see companies respond to some uh, really pointed questions, uh, um, you know, that, uh, you, you know, you have the behind the scenes view on and get to learn uh, a lot about how different people are managing their financials, uh, managing risks, making disclosures. Uh, I'm part of the two years I spent there because it was a two-year fellowship, other relationships. Some of the best friends that I have have come from my time there. And uh, to me, if you ask me what what is the best thing, well, yeah, I learned a lot. Uh, For me, the best thing uh, is the people I got to know there. So see, that's a common theme you're seeing in the stuff that I'm saying. Uh, In fact, one of my best friends is someone who works there and uh, another piece of advice I would go, give is, so, you know, when, when I say surround yourselves with friends and family, but people who can help you with your moral compass, who can help you. Uh, you ask me, you know, how do you make a decision on career and what's right? Like someone who can, who you can go to, who is in your court, uh, but can help you balance your uh, thinking where, uh, what about family? What about health? Uh, those types of things that really should be at the top of your mind and not just maybe uh, the dollars and cents and pay and position, uh, because sometimes we get caught in those types of things. 
Another question from the audience, having already accomplished so much in your career, what forward looking goals do you have? Ah, so, so the very friend that I mentioned uh, shared a book with me called Climbing the Second Mountain. And so this particular book, which Climbing the First Mountain is uh, what the person who's asking the question is mentioning, which is trying to find career success and say, okay, here are the things I've accomplished. But the second mountain is what are you really, you know, how are you making a difference in the world? Um, in, in people's lives, what really matters? And so these days, that's uh, a big topic on my mind. Um, whether that is um, helping those who might be in similar circumstances as me, you know, first gen, new in the country, need uh, need maybe financial support, school uh, and and um, you know, school slash other support, starting off in their careers. So um, for me, I'm shifting a little bit. Up to this point, it's all been about work and family, and kids are growing up. They, all my kids are now high school or college, so it means I have more time. So I sit on the board of Scholarship America, uh, which is all about the student. And for me, education has played such a big role in my life that that's a place where I want to do something more, something different. As, you know, So I, I just I, I have to find my way. I'm not quite there yet. I haven't figured out what exact mountain I'm climbing yet, but my thoughts are certainly on it. So that's that's the next most important thing. And also, uh, enough with the work, right? Uh, what about a little bit of other lighter things in life? Um, and so I'm trying to play that instrument back there, um, which has been something that has been on my list for a long time. And so I'm sort of getting ready for what comes in the next phase, you know, hobbies um, and, and maybe making a difference in the world. I love that. Using the other side of your brain a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> and that book sounds great. I, there are so many people that came to mind when you mentioned the title uh, that I'd love to share it with. So you'll have to send us a link um, when we're done here and I can post it uh, in the for the replay. Um, what this is a question that I wanted to ask you. What advice would you give your younger self? Maybe, um, you know, at the beginning of your career and when you, because you, you, you mentioned a couple of times that you didn't necessarily see a path ahead. You weren't sure, um, kind of where you wanted to end up. So how would you, if you, if you could go back in time and kind of tell yourself your younger self, some advice, what do you think it would be? Um, I think it would probably, for me, the thing that I learned later, as opposed to earlier, is the people aspect. Um, so I think that if I could go back, I remember someone working on an audit of mine that I was running, and she was a new mom, and we had a lot of work to do, and she needed to leave to go take care of her child. And now I understand it because I have three children, and I couldn't, it's like the audit needs to be done. I'm just giving you like how much has my perspective changed? So if you're asking me, what would I go back and do a little bit different? I don't think I had appreciation for that then. Uh, you know, so, and I, I'll tell you that's something that we can all improve on all the time. Uh, I, I'm still not a patient person. So I, I think just um, when you grow up in circumstances where you're just trying to meet your basic needs, like how are you going to uh, eat and how are you going to, which is sort of where life was, uh, these other uh, 
problems that come from emotional intelligence and whatnot. There's no, that gets pushed to the back burner. And so, um, you know, how are you feeling in these circumstances? How is someone else feeling in these circumstances? You don't have uh, time to process all of that, at least the way I grew up. And so maybe that's something that I would maybe go back and give myself some advice on saying, read these few things or you know, uh, if there's a better way to instill that uh, in me, then I would probably focus on that. I think uh, another thing uh, that I'd probably, that I learned later in life was uh, the art of asking questions. And um, I think that the tendency to act, be decisive and act was so important. Uh, I've I've come to recognize that uh, when you ask questions, you're doing many things. A, you're learning more yourself. B, whoever you're asking the questions to, they feel important. Like they feel like, hey, my opinion matters, right? Uh, and third, which is a, a, a big problem sometimes with people like me, you, you might jump to conclusions on someone's intent, which is, in my opinion, uh, a pretty big crime to commit, you know, because they may be quite innocent. Like maybe they are trying to do something for you and they just can't get it done. And instead of assuming, oh, they don't want to help me, right? Maybe if you ask a few questions, you might understand, oh, well, all this is going on. And because all all this other stuff is going on, that's why they haven't been able to get to this. Or we really don't need to do this at all because of these other things, right? Whatever the situation may be, I think questions help you clear the air and can serve you well. So I might maybe go prompt myself to ask more questions. Hmm. Have you been back to Mumbai? Um, yes, but not often enough. Um, hmm. uh, partly because, well... I've been back about three times in the last 30 years, which is really not enough. And when I did go back, um, things had things looked different. Uh, things had evolved so much, it's almost unrecognizable. Uh, I went back because my parents were going to sell the house that I grew up in, and my children were now older. And I just, I keep talking about back home. And I, I do think talking about it and actually seeing it are two different things. And so uh, the children went with me and, and really had a chance to, you know, see what it was all about. And I, I think that my son said he could understand better uh, who, why I am who I am, having actually seen it. So that's the answer on going back. Another reason for not going back is while it took a long time, um, my family was in different places. I'd say for a period of six years, um, some of us were here, some of us were there. And this is back in the day when there was no Facebook, no Skype, no text messaging. Uh, The only way to really be in touch with your family was to write airmail letters and you mailed it and it took 20 days for the letter to get there. And if you spoke to your family, it was like a a five or 10 minute call because it was so prohibitively expensive to make international calls. So for six years, the saga went on. But fortunately, um, my entire family lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which is a gift that, um, you know, which is a, most people who are born here can't, don't, can't always say that. And so um, I am fortunate to have that. I'm, I am glad to have both my parents uh, still with me. You know, you uh, eat my mother's cooking. Um, and so uh, the, you, what you're hearing from all of that is, I'll add one more sort of thought here, is being grateful uh, as we're thinking about the holiday season coming up. Um, it is a key to happiness. And uh, no matter what life's troubles are, there'll always be some, um, you know, just remembering uh, what 
the positive side of things really does help people cope with the worst of circumstances. I love to hear that your parents are, are nearby and they must be so proud of you. I mean, I can't even, (laughs) I can't even imagine. And, uh, and that they are able to have a relationship with your kids. I mean, that has to be the best thing. And that is fair. I think my children see them a lot. And, and it, from a cultural standpoint, you know, instilling uh, cuisine, culture, there are so many things that you want your kids to pick up. And having my parents here uh, does help with all of that. Um, and they want me to cook like my mom. And I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. Oh, my God. What I would give to have your mom's cooking. I, I love Indian food. I love it. And she's the best. So, you know, to to reach my, here's what I'll say, um, since we've talked about women and workplace and whatnot, I I got a question last week about, um, you know, D&I and and, uh, training and what have you learned recently. I learned something recently and I want to share that with this crowd. I learned that even with all that I have mentioned as challenges in my life, that I'm actually privileged in one area. And that area is having both my parents alive and really feeling the love of both of them, uh, you know, up to this stage in my life, which is a privilege my children haven't enjoyed. And many people who come from, you know, families that may have had different circumstances, could be divorced, could be something else, don't necessarily, um, you know, that may not necessarily enjoy. So there is some privilege in my life as well. And, and I am I am grateful for it. Absolutely. We have talked a little bit about mentorship and uh, I know how important relationships are to you, especially from what I've heard from you peer to peer. Do you consider yourself a mentor? Are you, are you formally a mentor to anybody? I'm sure informally you, you are. Uh, So that's on one end. And then do you have mentors that you kind of consult with? And I like to call them like a board of a personal board of directors. So I'll give you um, on the first question, I'll give you three examples. Um, And and we talked about um, housekeepers and having help along the way. Well, interestingly, um, one of uh, one individual who worked in my household was so impressed with the career side of things, even though she was a housekeeper, that um, it was important to her to better her circumstances. So she, at some point after having worked uh, with me for four years, she actually uh, became a teller at a bank. From there, she progressed um, into the hospitality industry and actually now is a general manager of a hotel. And all of that comes from these conversations about, you know, how, how do you make a better life for yourself? So that's a direct maybe influence right then. In fact, I just saw this individual in the last couple of days. Um, at work, I have a formal uh, mentor relationship um, and, and we are trying to take our most highest potential, most diverse leaders and pair them off with other leaders with whom they can have exposure. Um, this mentee of mine uh, will join my town halls. Um, sometimes if I have special projects going on, I may include this individual so that they can um, you know, get maybe a front row seat to um, how um, things work in my world, maybe learn from it, uh, anything I can do to help, um, uh, you know, her career, her 
her overall um, uh, business understanding um, on the controllership side, whatever whatever can be done. So that's the second. And third, quite informally, uh, I have someone on, on my team uh, who helps put together my um, board presentations. And so this is someone who doesn't, is not in my direct report team, uh, is, a, is a slightly junior in the organization, but uh, to have the opportunity to work directly with me, uh, this individual's ability to process, learn a lot of what's going on that's actually going to the board, uh, put, you know, um, I'll say crisp presentations together. I mean, it's a terrific opportunity. It gives them a lot of exposure and also gives them a chance to, to learn a lot and for me to work with someone else in the organization and get to know their skill set. And this person uh, is now doing a rotation with our investor relations uh, team at Wells Fargo. So clearly it's proven to be helpful in their career as well. So that's uh, me in my role as mentor. On the flip side, um, I came to work for Comerica um, as the controller controller for the company. It was my first time having a large team. And uh, the lady who hired me was the, the CFO. And um, this, this questions, as in, you know, I mentioned questions as advice. She would ask me questions. She says, if I provide this um, outlook to investors, what do you think, uh, how do you think they'll receive it? And I would think, oh, she's asking for my opinion. So I could, the, the idea of asking questions somewhat comes from her. It was never a formal relationship. She retired. I still stay in touch with her today. She still, whenever I'm in a business situation, she still gives me advice. So uh, you don't have to have formal arrangements. It's someone you respect. I, I saw the people side of her leadership skills. She, she would come down from the executive floor, walk the floor, talk, talk to people, ask them about their families. And it's like, okay, this is the type of leader I want to be uh, and who I want to surround myself with. And obviously she's taken a personal interest and we still stay in touch and text, even though it's not a work relationship anymore. And those are typically the best ones. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I want to ask you about, uh, you know, your experience in banking. So what do you like most about being in banking? And, and maybe I, I think I'm asking because I wonder if those on, uh, you know, listening or watching us rather, uh, if they're in, if they've thought about <clears throat> making that, you know, transition in their career. What do you like most about it? What do you, uh, what would you tell somebody who was considering moving into, uh, you know, starting to, to do this kind of work at a bank? Yeah, so uh, it's a complex industry. Uh, everything is somewhat backwards, right? When, when you think of a loan, you think of a loan as, oh my gosh, it's something I have to pay back. But for a bank, a loan is really an asset. When you think of a deposit, you think, isn't this great? I have this big deposit at the bank. Uh, but the bank thinks of it as, oh my gosh, it's money we need to give back to Olivia. It's her deposit. So everything is somewhat backward. Um, and so it requires um, uh, a different way of thinking about things. The, the industry has some very unique um, accounting aspects that, that I'm drawn to, interesting challenges. The transactions are, are, are fairly complex. I told you I'm a numbers kind of person and all of that is uh, in the banking business in spades. And at the end of the day, money is a very personal thing to everyone. And, uh, you know, banks are the keepers of, of really all our monies at the end of the day. So, so it's something that uh, is a, um, a source of connection, I guess, uh, for me and you know, people who are around me. So 
And That's also, so by the way, I happened into it, right? So it wasn't a deliberate choice. It's what right. I got into. Yeah, I wasn't seeking to be in the business of banking, but one I know a lot about. And sometimes I wonder about the chicken and the egg and what happens first. Do you love something first and then you pursue it or you pursue it and because you get so good at it that you come to love it, right? Uh, I haven't been able to figure that out. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I understood how you ended up working in banking, but uh, the fact that you've stayed um, and and kind of worked at several banks, uh, you must like something about it. And who knows, you know, how that happens. Um, but I love what you said about everything being backwards. I never thought about it that way. Uh, and I understand this about you that now that you, you really like a challenge, you like That's the complexities, right. it's like a puzzle to you. Um, and so that and, and seems like that drives you. It does. And, and Olivia, the other thing I'll say about the banking business is it's heavily regulated. Uh, it's, you know, it's not just the SEC. It's also all the banking regulators. And so uh, the challenge that you're talking about, uh, we have to get through our SEC filings, but we also have to continue. Like we have, I want to say 6,000 filings we do every quarter to give you a sense of the complexity. And so getting ready, you know, phase one is done. We move into phase two. It's, it's an interesting environment. The accounting aspects are unique. The filing aspects are unique. And that's what draws me to the business. And I guess you've talked about that with, with your son and he's now interested in, in that, uh, in that area. Right. So that's very interesting. I guess he takes after you in that way. He's interested in the only him. That's right. I think it is a bit of an apple tree with him. And I think he was drawn. And today, uh, it's fair to say, Olivia, that he knows more about certain aspects of banking than I ever will. And what I mean by that is anything to do in the fintech space, um, etc. He is, especially being younger generation and whatnot, he certainly watches all of that a lot more than uh, what I do, because I'm more on the traditional side. But my daughters are different. Uh, the middle one um, is has a beautiful way with words. Uh, can write the best pieces and um, wants to be a journalist. The, the younger one, out of the blue, has decided she wants to do something in science. So uh, it makes me happy to see that. It means that they're trying to find a path of their own um, and, and think independently and come up with what they are passionate about. I, I'm glad that you mentioned fintech uh, with your son because the last question that I wanted to ask you was about continuous learning. Like what are the areas that you're investing in, in yourself in learning more about sort of acknowledging yourself, upskilling yourself, uh, where are your areas of focus today? I love that question. And I should have probably said something about it sooner. So I'm glad you're giving me the opportunity. Uh, before I answer your question on the business side, you know, I've told you everything with a story. So when I came to this country, uh, I didn't know how to drive. I didn't know how to bowl. I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know how to golf. The list is so long. And so another piece of advice, you know, tr try, keep life interesting. Uh, learn different things if you can. It's not all easy. Uh, for me, learning to ski at 40 was like a scary, scary experience. Uh, but I'm going out with the family this weekend. So, you know, it does bring joy to your life. Um, as far as fintech and keeping things interesting, that's the other thing. Um, at work, to the extent you can do different things, learn about different things, and keep adding um, to, to what you do, uh, which is something I've been fortunate enough to have uh, in my life, uh, try to do that. Uh, for me, it's either been uh, different pieces of accounting guidance, different companies, um, you know, different problems uh, 
that you're looking to solve. Um, and so forever, try to be a student forever as best you can. Uh, it'll keep life interesting. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Munir. It was such a pleasure getting to speak with you. And, uh, and I thank you for sharing your really incredible story. And uh, it's truly inspiring. We can't wait to see what's next for you. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I know we kind of jumped around topics, but I thank people for taking the time to listen. <laughs>